Psalm 46, uh, Psalm 46 and verse number 10. Psalm 46 and verse number 10. And uh, as soon as you turn there, you'll probably recognize it if you were here last week. And uh, it is the same passage that we read last week. And last week we looked at, uh, at being still. And, uh, and certainly it's not easy to be still, especially in some of the circumstances and some of the places that we find ourselves. And certainly we don't always like to be still. Uh, but it's such a, an important thing. And this week, I don't want to look at being still. I think we covered that sufficiently last week. But the phrase stands out in this verse as well. In Psalm 46, in verse number 10, the Bible says this, Be still and know that I am God. Now I want to look at that second phrase, know that I am Am God. That phrase is used throughout the Bible many times in all reality, uh, and many times he says uh, to, to know that I am the Lord thy God. And it's stated many times, I was looking at it, and actually it's stated more times in the book of Ezekiel, uh, it seems like, than any other passage in the Bible. And uh, what a phrase. And so this morning I want us to see that phrase and look at that phrase, know that I am God. Aren't you glad this morning that you can know who God is? Uh, he was singing that song, you know, that Jesus rose from the dead, and truly that is true, and we're grateful for that. But listen, you can know who Jesus is today, and, uh, and that is a blessing of being a Christian. And so I want to look at that phrase, know God. Uh, know God. As we, before we get into our message, let's have a word of prayer. And uh, Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your many blessings in our life. God, certainly you have blessed us beyond measure. You've blessed us in so many ways. And God, we, we are thankful truly for the blessings that we have in our life. And God, I pray that you'd use me this morning. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. I pray, Father, that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, I pray that each and every person this morning would know God in their life. And God, that they would know, uh, not just know you as their, in a, as their personal Savior, but Father, they would uh, know you and, and want to serve you with their life. God, I pray that you would just uh, use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every person, and we'll thank you for that, and we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this this morning, I want us to understand that the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Uh, and listen, look back with me in, in Psalm 46. In the first verse, he says this, God is our refuge. Not only do we need to know that he is God, but we need to know him on a personal level. Uh, and it says right there in verse number one, God is our refuge. Not just a refuge, not a place, but our personal refuge that we can go to. And we need to know God Personally, uh, listen, many people have a knowledge of who God is. And uh, God has made himself known uh, to mankind. And he's made himself known in many ways. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 1, and we've covered these verses before, but it says in Romans 1.19 and verse 20, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world 
are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. As we wander around this world and we think about creation and you look at the wonderful things, uh, it's beyond me really how anybody could wander around the world and, uh, and see the creation of God and see nature and see uh, the ocean and see the creatures that live in the ocean and see the animals that live on, uh, on earth. I, I absolutely love uh, watching wildlife. It just it blows my mind. Uh, to be able to watch wildlife and observe them and, and learn many things. And sometimes even my cat and my dog, I'll look at them and I say, what is running through their mind? I mean, they, they, they don't talk, so you don't have any way of really understanding. And you just sit there and, and my dog will just sit there and look at the door. And it's like, what is she? the door's closed. It's a wooden door. She can't see out it. I'm thinking, what is running through her mind? What is she thinking about? And, and as you look at creation, it really is amazing how uh, everything works and functions so well and, and how God has made uh, so many creatures and so many varieties of creatures. And then that doesn't even get into the plant world and you start to look at all of those things. And, and I'm always amazed at creation and all of the things that God has created. But I'm even more amazed that you could observe all of that and say, wow, we evolved here. That just blows my mind. I mean, somebody had to uh, really go around the circuit and say, well, I really want to X God out of history and therefore come up with this other idea. I mean, there's absolutely no uh, crossed animals. If you, there's no uh, in-between states. If evolution were true, there would be to this day in-between. I mean, all animals would somehow have a step in between them and the next animal that they purport uh, came about. I mean, that would be, it'd be preposterous uh, that that could be true and not have that. The fact that there's no step between uh, a dog and a, and a bird or, uh, or anything of those natures, uh, listen, it just blows my mind. You don't have a furry dog with feathers. You don't have, uh, uh, you know, all these critters that are, that are cross combined because they don't exist because God made the heavens and the earth. And God created everything that is. And God made all of these things. And I know that in school they will constantly pound it in to kids' heads. But, uh, but the Bible is so very clear. And the evidence of creation and the evidence of the animals that exist and the evidence of the stars and the moon and the evidence of all that exists on the earth uh, tells me that, hey, there is a creator in heaven. There's somebody that designed all of this. It did not just happen by accident. I've said this and I'll say it again. I've said it many times and, and I'll continue to say it. If you went to, um, if you went to Ford and, uh, or Chrysler or Chevy or GM or any of the car manufacturers and, uh, and you said, uh, hey, did, uh, did uh, this car just make itself? I can guarantee you the engineers that spent hours developing how that thing functions would be kind of upset that you would think that that thing just happened on its own. Uh, it's kind of like if you went to the junkyard and you took a stick of dynamite and, uh, and you threw it out in that junkyard and it exploded and out pops a, a functioning uh, v, VW bug. I mean, that just that wouldn't happen. 
but yet that's what they want you to believe as far as evolution, that it just happened by accident. No, it was designed and God has made us in such a way that, hey, we, we know by, by, by looking at creation that, uh, that there is a God in heaven. And he proclaims that and he says the things that are seen clearly in this world, they point to God, they point to a creator and they say that, hey, there is a God in heaven. And we can, you can have a knowledge of God. Not only that, in verse number 19, he goes, uh, because that which may be made known of God is manifest in them. God has put it within mankind to know and understand that there is a God. You ever, uh, you ever think about the fact that there are many, many religions? Why is it that uh, if you travel to India, India is one of the uh, countries with the, the, the most amount of gods and the most amount of, of, of deities that they have in their, in, their, in their society and in their culture? But they're just one. I mean, if you go to any culture and any uh, people, anthropology, the study of man would take you to many different cultures and take you to many different places. And, and the one, one thing that they all have in common is they all think that there's something out there that's bigger than us. Why is that? Because God has established in mankind that there is a God. Listen, many people have a knowledge of God, but they do not know God. And in our verse, the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. God wants us to be known uh, of Him. Uh, listen, celebrities become known on television, uh, and many times you could identify them, maybe for sports, maybe for politics, maybe for songs, maybe for movies, maybe for some other way. And, and many people, especially those who like sports, they'll, they'll say, man, this guy, he does this, and they can tell you a lot of facts about that person. Uh, maybe if you like movies, you might be able to say, well, this actor, they're a good actor, and, and you'll tell me why, and you can name the movies that they play in, and you can tell me this and that characteristic. Or maybe politicians, you can say, well, they've done this, and they've done that, and they live here, and they live there, and you can tell me some information about them, uh, or maybe some other thing, but I can tell you this, you do not know them. You know a little bit of information about them. Because of what's been released publicly. You know what the TV and YouTube has told you about those people, but you do not know personally many times uh, how they are. Uh, you don't know how they feel when they get sick and they have a cold. Maybe they're one of those people that as soon as their nose starts to run, they go put their jammers on, crawl in bed, and they're done until their, their nose stops running. Maybe they're one of those people that, uh, that, that, you know, if they don't eat, they get cranky. I, I don't know. You don't know that person. You just know a little bit about him. And may, listen, many of the world and many people in the world, they think that they know God because they know a little bit about God that's been revealed to them in the world and been revealed to them in themselves that God has said, listen, I will put inside of man an understanding that there is a God, but listen, that is a far cry from knowing God. And in our text, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And I want every one of us to know God this morning. 
I'm not talking about knowing about God. I'm not talking about being able to quote facts and figures about God. But I want you to know Him. And how do you get to know somebody? You know how you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. Listen, all the, all the single young men and single young ladies, you know how you get to know somebody. It's not by learning the different information about them. It's by spending time with them. You get to know that person. There's no substitute uh, for spending time with those people. Listen, there is no substitute to spending time with God. And listen, you might think, well, God, man, He's big and He's all-powerful. But let me tell you something. God has an interest in knowing who you are. That's right. The God of the universe the God that created everything, the all-powerful God. He's interested in you. Matter of fact, uh, isn't it interesting to know? The Bible says that God came down and He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. It seems like that was His normal practice with them. It seems like it was a regular occurrence with them that they would walk with God every single day of their life. You look at, you go forward in the Bible and you go all the way to Enoch and The Bible says in Genesis 5.24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In other words, Enoch walked so closely with God that God said, Hey, listen, I'm enjoying this fellowship so much. Hey, why don't you just come up to heaven with me, and let's make this permanent, and let's make this eternal, and and, and forget just meeting up down here on earth. Uh, let's, 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 uh, Let's be all the time together. And he took Enoch. Listen, God wants to walk with you. God wants you to know who He is. The only way to do that is by spending time with God. He invites us, hey, listen, the only way to get to God and the only way to walk with God, the Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no religious system. There's no good works. There's no amount of anything that you can do in this world uh, to be able to make uh, a relationship with God without going through Jesus Christ. It has got to be through Him. There's no other way to be saved. And so you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And listen, that starts a relationship with God. And then He wants to spend more time with you. And He wants to walk with you on a regular basis. And He wants you to get to know who He is. And the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. He needs to be a personal God to you. You need to know who He is. One of the saddest, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, I believe, is Revelation 3.20 where it says, Be, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You know what's sad about it? Is God standing on the outside. And He's knocking. And He wants to come in. But so many times in the busyness of our life, we maintain the door and God is there and He says, hey, I, I want to come in. I want to be a part of your life. I, wanna, I want you to get to know me better. And, and many times we're occupied with uh, the things of this world and, and things that maybe even aren't even sinful, but yet they're things that would drive God out and they're things that would take the place of God in our life and, and they, become an, they become an obstacle. And we don't get to know God. 
Because we have too many other things crowding our life. And he's standing on the outside knocking and saying, Hey, I want to come in. I want to have dinner. I want to sup. I want to talk. I want to spend time with you. Do you know God personally? I didn't ask if you had a knowledge of God. I'm saying, do you know God personally? Do you walk with Him? Sometimes I fear even Christians, uh, as, we're, as we're saved and born again, that sometimes I fear that even in our lives we'll kind of cut out God. We, we fill our lives with all kinds of other things. And oh, we have a knowledge of who God is and we may even be saved and know for sure where we're going to spend eternity, but we don't know God like we should. He says, be still and know that I am God. We need to know God personally. Psalm 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge. We started there and that is our our, a personal relationship. He's not just a refuge, but it's a somebody that you can go to, that he, he is yours and you are His, and, and that there's a personal relationship there. Not only do you need to know God personally, but listen, you need to know God's protection in your life. In this psalm, it says there in verse number 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the waters thereof roar and be troubled though the mountains shake and the swelling thereof they 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 name quite a bit of things that are going on but i understand this that god can be and wants to be your protector refuge the bible says what is a refuge a refuge is simply that which shelters or protects from danger, distress, or calamity. A stronghold which protects by its strength. And this is such an important topic in this chapter that it says it there in verse number 1. It says it again in verse number 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Look again in verse number 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Listen, God wants to be your protector. He wants to take, uh, take care of you. Uh, listen, who do you turn to in times of trouble? Listen, who's your go-to? What is the thing that, uh, that, that says, hey, I'm, I'm going to turn to this when things get really bad? And many times we'll say with our voices, it's God. But many times our actions show something different. Go with me to Mark chapter number 5. And I want you to see, in Mark chapter number 5, we see, five, we see three things uh, that people will trust in. Mark chapter 5 is a very interesting chapter. Mark chapter 5, we find in Mark 5, we'll, we'll not, we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but the entire chapter really is dedicated to uh, the life of Jesus and some miracles that He did, really. But, uh, but as it goes on, it talks about uh, some, some things that people were trusting in. And we can see that in Mark chapter 5. Look with me at verse number 4. Uh, the very first case that we look at is that, that demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes. And look with me at verse number 4. The Bible says, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces neither could any man tame him many times uh, people will look to for to the government for their protection 
And in this case, this wild demon-possessed man, uh, the, the government had failed in all their attempts to, to bind and control this man. They'd put him in chains, they had locked him up, but the Bible says that those chains had been broken asunder, asunder and no man, no governmental program, no governmental prison, no governmental agency was able to contain this man. And they were failed by the governmental agency. Listen, sometimes we'll put our faith and trust in the government. Let me tell you something. In all sincerity and all honesty, the government many times does try and help and does many good things. But can I tell you something? Our faith is to be placed in God, Amen. not in government. Amen. And I'm, I'm American as American can be. I often have said, listen, if you cut me, I'll, I'll, I'll bleed red, white, and blue. I'm American through and through. But I'm telling you this, that my faith and my priority has to be God first and country second. And we can't trust in government, but you can trust in God. Governments have come and gone over the years. I don't know if you're aware of that. We tend to focus on our lifetime and we tend to focus on just our history. But in reality, uh, listen, governments have come and gone over the years, but God is still alive and well. And He's trustworthy. The government had failed in this case. Look with me at verse number 22 and 23. We have Jarius uh, who came and his daughter was sick. And in verse number 22, the Bible gives us a little bit of information. The Bible says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jarius, uh, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. Here we have Jarius, a, a ruler, the Bible says, of the synagogue. Not only does government sometimes fail, but I want you to notice as well that religion will sometimes fail you. Listen, this man was a religious leader, the Bible says, and yet his daughter was lying at the point of death. And at that point, he said, man, I've got to do something. And he goes to Jesus. And I think, hey, uh, religion probably had helped him at some point. But at this point and in this uh, time of his life, religion for all practical purposes was not able to comfort, was not able to heal, was not able to take care of his daughter. And listen, I say cautiously, religion will fail you. Religion will fail you. You know what religion is? Religion is defined as this. It's our works towards God. And our works towards God will fail you at some point. But God's works towards you will never fail you. And many people are caught up in a religious system. And many people are trusting in a religious system. And may I say this morning that, listen, a religious system will fail you, but God will never fail you. Government may fail you, but God will never fail you. And not only that, but look with me in verse number 25. While, the, while Jesus is getting ready to go to, uh, to Jairus' house to, to uh, deal with his daughter who he did save and, and was uh, raised back to life, uh, look there though as he was going in verse number 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. 
We find not only that government, not only that religion, but sometimes even medical fields will fail you. Listen, it's not, I know that I'm not against government, I'm not against religion per se, and I'm not against medical uh, fields, but listen, our faith and our trust is not to be placed in these man-made things, but our faith and our trust is to be placed in God because God is our refuge. And He's the one that able, is able to take care of us. And, and I know that many times these areas, they do try to help and they are trying to do good things. But nonetheless, listen, our faith and our trust and our refuge and our protection must be solely God in our life. Because He will never fail you. This woman paid all her money out. And in the end, she was not able she was not any better. And listen, we'll put our faith in government. We'll put our faith in religion. We'll put our faith in medical fields. We'll run to those things when things start to get bad. But I'm telling you, we ought to run to God every time. And then certainly you can use medicine. I'm not against medicine. You can go to the government. I'm not against that. You can go to religion. I'm not against those things. But God ought to be our singular sole source of protection. Not only that, many people will trust in self. That's probably the biggest problem in our world is self-sufficiency, self-ability. You know, the psalmist said this in Psalm 31.10, For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing, and my strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. Listen, you think you're self-sufficient, you'll find out you're really not. God will bring you to a place in your life where you're not able to solve your problems. You're not able to trust in yourself. But can I tell you this morning that God said in, in Psalm 46 and verse 10, He said, Be still and know that I am God. And God is able to deliver us. He is our refuge. He's the one that we ought to run to. He is the one that we can put our faith and trust in. And listen, He wants to be your protector. We need to put our faith and trust in Him as your protector. God is our refuge. The Bible says in Psalm 73, 26, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Listen, there's example after example in the Word of God how God has provided for and protected His children and He's watched out for other people. And I'm just telling you, in your life, you can trust God. He'll never fail you. He'll always protect you. He's our refuge. Listen, we ought to stay close to the protector. Stay close to God. Don't wander away from Him. Allow Him to always be that protector that, that will hold you and, and protect you and take care of you. He is your strength. He is a very present help. In trouble. He's your protection. We need to know Him personally. We need to know His protection. And then lastly, as we think about this in Psalm 46, He says this in verse number 10, Be still and know that I am God. Not only do we need to know Him personally, we need to know His protection there in verse number 1 and, and verse, uh, verse 7 and verse 11 as He says, I am your refuge, uh, or that He is our refuge rather. But uh, we also need to understand the plan of God. In verse number 10 He says, I will be exalted among the heathen. 
Listen, God has a plan. And knowing Him personally and intimately and knowing His protection and allowing Him to protect you in your life, but then lastly, knowing His plan in your life as well. Exalted, the Bible says, among the heathen. The word exalted means raised to a lofty height, elevated, honored, with office or rank, extolled, magnified, refined. And those are the things that exalted are. Listen, God has a plan to be exalted among the heathen. And he says there in verse number 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. Listen, Jesus is God. And he said this, he said in in John 12, 32, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. As I read that and thinking about that passage, listen, Jesus was lifted up on the cross of Calvary. Oh, that wasn't a a glorifying moment to be lifted up on the cross of Calvary to die, but at the same time it was, it was our salvation and that He was lifted up on the cross of Calvary so that He could be, so that we could be saved and He was lifted up. But listen, that wasn't the only time He was lifted up. You go on and He arose from the dead and He didn't stay dead. He wasn't, He's not in the ground today. Uh, He's not in the earth today because why? You go to Acts chapter 1 and you'll find that he was lifted up and he ascended right out of the earth and he just flew away. He was lifted up. But then listen, he also has left us a command that we are to lift him up. That we are to exalt God in our life. And we are to honor God in our life. Listen, we ought to be telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and let them know that, hey, there is a God in heaven who changed my life. And you cannot just have knowledge of Him, but you can personally know who He is and get to know Him on a personal level. And listen, He will be your protector and He will be your salvation because He wants to be known amongst men. We ought to let people know it's recorded in all four of the Gospels that it's our responsibility uh, to to let those people know that are in the world uh, that Jesus Christ saves. Listen, not just with our voice, but the Bible says in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's both things. We ought to testify with our mouth. We ought to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to let other people know that, hey, Jesus Christ died on the cross to save them from their sins and that, uh, uh, that He loves them and that He cares about them and He wants to be known amongst the world. But listen, who else is going to tell it? We have a responsibility. I can tell you this, TV's not going to exalt God. The radio, by and large, they're not going to exalt God. Who, whose job is it? As Christians, it's our job. It's our job to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our job to let people know that Jesus Christ died on the cross. We need to live it and we need to tell it everywhere we go. That's God's plan. Do you know God personally this morning? I'm not saying do you know of God 
God lives in heaven and God sent His Son Jesus to die on the earth, a lot of people will tell you, well, I, I know that about God. I've had a lot of people tell me, oh yeah, I, I know Jesus died on the cross. I know that. Great. But do you know Him as your personal Savior? Have you put your faith and trust in Him do you know Him personally? Do you walk with Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Do you know Him? Do you know God's protection? Do you know God's plan? He said in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the heathen. And I will be exalted in the earth. We have a responsibility to know God know His protection, and know His plan that He's to be exalted. So oftentimes we exalt ourselves. We'll exalt this or that. May we proclaim the goodness of God to a lost and dying world. They need to know that He loves them and that He has a desire to know them and to be their friend and be their God. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Do you know God this morning? God, we thank you for your word. And God, it's so clear that we need to be still, but not only do we need to be still, we need to know. We need to know God personally. You said that, know that I am God. We need to know you. We need to know your protection. We need to know your plan. And God, as Christians, we can trust you for the protection that you give. God, that's not to say that we don't use medicine or we don't use the government or we don't use the things that are availed to us, God, but... Certainly our faith and our trust must be firmly placed in you. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, help us to know your plan and to exalt you in our life with our lips. May we speak of you. May we live for you. God, may others come to a saving knowledge of you because of our life, because of our words. God, I pray that you'd help us to exalt you in a lost and dying world. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. Do you know God this morning? Maybe you're here and you've never been saved or you've never been born again and Listen, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today right there in your pew. You can just pray a simple prayer and say, God, I know I'm lost. I need to be saved and I want to know you. Would you save me? And He'll save you. And if you do that, let us know. Don't leave here without letting us know. We want to encourage you. We want to help you. We want to strengthen you. Maybe you're a Christian this morning and you know a lot about God. But you're not walking with Him like you ought to be. He wants to know you better. He wants you to know Him better. He knows you more than you really probably want Him to know. 
How well do you know him? Are you walking with him? Know his plan and his purpose that he'd be exalted. Whatever the need, the altar's open, the piano's playing. Thank you.